0: Bonjour. I'm Terence Galanter, your American friend in Paris, coming to you almost live and almost every week from Café Terence in Paris's troisième. arrondissement. This program is being sponsored by a generous contribution from the Billy Cohn Collection. My guest is Dan Tepfer, uh, Paris-born, Brooklyn-based, internationally acclaimed jazz and classical pianist and composer. Described by the New York Times as having superb technique with a complex set of impulses, he's a deeply rational improviser drawn to the unknown. And the Washington Post echoes that, describing you as a remarkable musician. Uh, Great uh, great, great, uh, PR from around the world, but as you and I both know here in Paris, uh, you're Becky Tepfer's son. So why don't we begin by talking about that remarkable woman who brought so much joy and pleasure prior to giving us you uh, here in Paris?
1: Thanks for having me, Terence. Uh, I really appreciate it, and it's nice to have this uh, family take on uh, on my music. Um, my my mom was uh, incredibly important in in my life, not only at every level as as moms are, but but also at the musical level for me because um she was an opera singer she sang in the paris opera chorus for 25 years and she was singing you know most nights of the week when i was in gestation so i was surrounded by music from from before i was born thanks to her and uh and then when i was uh you know six or eight or ten years old i i um I would learn jazz standards and accompany her playing playing these songs and that that's how I got into jazz
0: do you remember the first time you sat down at a piano and was it your uh, your grandfather's Yamaha that now resides at the Atelier de la Mandor
1: uh no the piano that I grew up with um that the, the piano that, that's at the Atelier de la Mandor was in Eugene Oregon at the time because my grandfather was was living and he was a jazz pianist uh, on the west coast uh, the piano that I grew up with was actually an old, uh, brown, upright, not a particularly remarkable instrument, uh, but but good enough. And uh, yeah, those are my first memories. I think my first memory of playing the piano, something I, I actually remember clearly, was being taught how to play uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb as, as a very small child.
0: In the style of Oscar Peterson or the style that we sang in elementary school?
1: No, no. In the style of. That style, the like one oh, finger give me, give me on one note.
0: <laughs> give me a little bit of Dan Tuffer doing Oscar Peterson in that song.
1: Oh, I'm not really an Oscar Peterson guy. I, I, I can okay. give you. A, I mean, I, I, give you know, I Bill enjoy Evans. Oscar Peterson. No, I, I don't like imitating. That's not what I do. I, okay. I, I try okay. to be a. You know, like if you, I, I try to. The the, the improvisers that I admire, like so, so I I played with twelve for twelve years with Lee Konitz, for example, who's one of the great masters of improvisation. The last thing they want is to be imitating someone else. The goal is to be playing, is to be making music in your voice, in the same way that Mm -hmm. you know, if you asked me to do this interview and kind of sound like uh, Barack Obama, uh, it'd be kind of strange. You want, no, you want me, you me, me to sound me like myself, right? So. Like,
0: let's hear dance up for doing uh Mary, Mary had a, had
1: a little one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Okay. <laughs>
0: Like the Dan tepfer version, and Bill Evans and Oscar Peterson are no longer with us, hmm. so I guess I listen to you. Oh, thank uh, you. You, you. You mentioned Lee Konitz, and I had the pleasure of uh, watching you and Lee perform a number of years ago. Hmm. We, we just lost him recently. Where was that? At the Atelier.
1: Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. yeah that amazing. was that
0: was me. That was me humming off to the side, interfering with your work. But I think you tuned me out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, Lee is was your mentor, a great, uh, almost a father figure of music for you. Uh, talk a little bit about Lee, how that came about, uh, and what you continue to take from that relationship.
1: Yeah, uh, Lee was definitely a mentor, but but also what was wonderful about Lee is even though he was fifty five years older than me. Uh, we really had a a relationship that felt like a peer relationship. I mean, obviously, I I looked up to him um, as the master improviser that he was and also, you know, an important figure historically in the development of jazz. But he had this very disarming way of being just totally present in the moment and it's part of his genius as an improviser. And as a result, when we would hang out or or play together, it, it always felt like we were just two people... Trying to communicate together. Yeah, you
0: know, that's what that's what I felt. How did you how did you come to meet Lee?
1: You know, it was thanks to Marcel Solal, who's one of the great uh, French jazz pianists, uh, one of the greatest. And I was lucky enough, uh, growing up in Paris, to to have some interactions with Marcel, and and he was a bit of a mentor to me um, in my late teens, early twenties. And uh, I, I moved to New York in two thousand six from Boston. I, I did my my master's at the New England Conservatory there. And uh, I remember having this moment where I was listening to uh, a duo record of Marshall Salao's with with Lee Konitz. It's called Star Eyes and it's from 1992 and it's, it's a really beautiful record. But I, I had this moment where I was listening to it and I thought to myself, you know, I think I could do that. I think I could, um, I could play with Lee. I think I would know what to do. And so I emailed... Um, Marshall and asked him if he would introduce us, and he did. And Lee and I just hit it off right away. Uh, it was just we just never looked back. Uh, it felt great to play together. Uh, it also felt great to just talk and and hang out. And and he hired me for a tour in Japan and uh, and some gigs in New York. And and then we had this uh, this over twelve year. Uh, string of, of playing together quite a bit and, and and
0: making three different recordings as well. For those who might not be familiar with Lee, given his age, uh, he was around, I guess, back in bebop. Uh, pretty much any, anyone who was an important figure in in jazz in the mid-20th century had played with him, or he, he knew. Talk a little bit about his, his back. I believe he's from Chicago, a city kid from That's Chicago. That's right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And... Uh...
1: His parents ran a laundromat.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> And when did he, and when did he pick up the horn?
1: He started on the clarinet. Uh his parents bought him a clarinet when he was, I think, in, you know, uh his very early teens or something like that. And uh and you know, I, clearly he was phenomenally gifted, uh, which was always obvious. And and somehow I don't know exactly how this happened, but he picked up some gigs with local bands and then switched to um to alto saxophone.
0: No, he was he was a great player, and I and as a matter of fact, in uh Tomorrow's newsletter there's a five-minute uh, birthday gig that you did at your apartment with uh, with Lee's ninety-second birthday, which will be posted along with a uh, a link to uh, uh, the upcoming interview that we're doing uh, tonight. Oh yeah,
1: that that was at Lee's apartment, not at my apartment. Oh, okay, some, yeah. some
0: apartment in New York, right? That's, it looked like a New York a New York apartment.
1: Very yeah. much a New York apartment. Yeah, he he had this beautiful. Huge three-bedroom a block and a half from Central Park that he'd been renting for like 45 years and was Mm -hmm. virtually free at this point uh, because the rent is stabilized and uh, That was the last time that I played with Lee. That was his 92nd birthday. Wow. Um, Actually, I did go to his place in early March of 2020 um, Just uh, you know a little over a month before he died Mm. and we sang together Wow is that,
0: is that recorded can we uh, listen to that at some point
1: uh no that well actually his niece was there and she did make some videos i have those i have those, that would be I have very those on cool. my phone uh,
0: yeah if you can get that, i'd love to share that if you can take a look at it and see what you feel is uh uh both you know he would be comfortable with or his niece would be comfortable with i think it'd be a uh, great to uh to share that because uh uh, you know, it's it's just a wonderful collaboration. Yeah, you talk but, about but you it- know, if
1: if people want to hear that collaboration, we have we have two records, two duo records. There's one from 2009 called uh, Duos with Lee, mm-hmm. and there's one from uh, 2019 uh, called Decade, celebrating 10 years, over 10 years actually. Of, of-
0: I don't, but I don't remember if you're singing on those. See, I did see you sing because when you were here in Paris, I believe I saw you at least twice. And on one occasion, you sat down on the piano and sang as well as played.
1: Yeah, I, I so sometimes do that, but, but, yeah. but I'm a much better pianist than I am a singer.
0: <laughs> well, well, you're a great piano player. I mean, I'm not going to be here to criticize your singing uh, mm. by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, with, uh, you know, people may not be aware of how much of a classical and, and structured musical background you had, I, I guess, which is what enables an actor or a musician uh, to improvise. You have the technical chops in place. So that when you're working, you're not necessarily thinking about all of that. Talk a little bit about your background in, I guess it was Edinburgh, uh, Boston. You didn't go to Berkeley, the Berkeley School of Music, I suppose, to that left wing university in California. <laughs> Talk about that formation and how it, how it influences your ability to play today.
1: Yeah, well, I, uh, I, I had a, you know, a pretty serious musical education. I, growing up in Paris, I went to the conservatory and studied classical music, but I was always improvising on my own for some reason. I, and I think this is because of my grandfather's influence, who was a jazz pianist. Uh, for some reason, I always thought of myself as a jazz pianist. I always thought of myself as somebody who improvises. And so I would just spend hours every day um, making music up at the piano even from a young age and this was while I was studying classical music and in fact my classical music teachers would kind of discourage me but I'd just say, fine, I just won't show you my improvising. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, then I I went to the New England Conservatory for my for my master's in, in jazz and uh, my undergrad actually was in physics um, in, in the UK and I played a lot there too on the jazz scene uh, but my but then i went to boston and and those were important studies for me i got to really interact with some great masters of the music you know i studied with danilo perez i studied with fred hirsch uh i studied with a teacher named charlie binakis who wasn't famous famous as a as a performer but very famous as a teacher um i studied with bob brookmeyer who's one of the all-time great composers uh for in in jazz
0: not to be confused with bobby brookmeyer who the big noise from winnetka the uh the bassist, or is there another Bob Brookmeyer?
1: I don't know Bobby Brookmeyer. Uh, Bob Brookmeyer was a trombonist and and composer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this goes
0: long long before your time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know. So so these were very important experiences for me, and I think you're right. Uh, for what I do, I wouldn't be able to do what I do if I didn't have that solid foundation, because it's uh, it's just what 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 gives you freedom is. Is having an understanding of how uh, the the music functions, you know, at, at more than just kind of a, a superficial level. Sure.
0: No, I, I I my I know my listeners are going to correct me. Uh, Bobby Brookmeyer was, uh, as you said, a, a horn man. I'm confusing uh, another uh, guy from uh, uh, from uh, Winnetka, the big noise from Winnetka. So, to my listeners out there, I apologize. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> but to get to get back to you. Uh, oh, you know, we uh, listen to all of this wonderful jazz, but you and Mr. Bach have a connection as well, uh, the The Goldberg variations. Talk a little about how you segue into that and how you go back and forth between improvisational, improvi- improvised, visual, uh, classic and jazz music. Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I've loved Bach since I was a kid. So, you know, we've been talking about how how I grew up in, in music and um, uh, Bach was a was a really important part of that because in the French conservatory system, that's basically what they have you play from the from the get go. So starting from age six or, or seven, I was playing Bach. I was playing uh, inventions and and then preludes and fugues. And
0: Dan. Yeah, let me interrupt you. Can can you play a little touch of Bach as written and a little touch of Bach as you would play it?
1: Well, sh- sure. Um... You know, I, I, maybe I'll maybe at this point I'll just play some Bach as written, um, okay. and then and then we can talk about what I've been doing in terms of of using it as inspiration or as material for improvisation. Um, yeah, I'll play. Um, what will I play? Um, I'll play Variation twenty seven from the Goldberg Variations.
0: Bravo, bravo. So, Dan, your career is moving along a pace. I have many friends in California who who know of you and know of your work, uh, even without knowing me, uh, from the, what we do together here. Uh, and all of a sudden, March 13th, 2020, your world comes to a stop. You're booked all over the world, uh, terrific concert presence, playing major clubs in New York, uh, cutting records, developing a new and very very well received material and then everything shuts down and then remarkably i don't know how long it took you but you've built a uh an online streaming presence that's been very good for you and also very good to your friends who don't have your technical chops (laughs) talk about how the world came to an end and how you were able to reclaim it
1: yeah uh it was an interesting time uh you know I, i was sitting there in march seeing all my concerts get canceled for the foreseeable future and um the very the the first thing that that came up for me was just like i need to find ways to continue to make music because i'm gonna i'm gonna go nuts otherwise and um and so the first thing i did is is i uh dove really deep into this uh bach upside down project that i've been toying with for a while i've written these computer algorithms that Will take what I play at the piano and then play what I just played back, but in an in, in, in inverted form. Uh, inversion in music is is a process by which you you turn the music upside down. And with Bach, it sounds absolutely amazing to do that. Uh, and so I did um, the first half of the Goldberg Variations that way. And um, the New York Times actually wrote an amazing article about that. I'm very grateful to them. And then I, um, I dived really deep into live streaming, and that's something that I've been con- continuing to do. I'm, I'm coming up on my 50th uh, Monday live stream. I've been <clears throat> doing every single Monday. Uh, I've been doing these free live streams on Mondays. And then also... because well, I, how,
0: could, how can listeners access that?
1: Um, you can go to my website, DanTepfer.com, and if you look at my calendar, um, there are links there towards the live streams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, but you can also find me on Facebook uh, or on YouTube. I've I, I streamed to both places simultaneously. And in addition to those free streams, um, I felt that it was really strongly... To, I, I felt that it was very important to find a way to continue a kind of a, an economy of music. And, and so I've, I've organized these ticketed live streams. These are live stream concerts that I sell tickets to tickets are five dollars plus a donation and so uh, you know some people pay five dollars some people pay a hundred dollars and uh, it's just um, it kind of all evens out in the end to be a reasonable ticket price and and what it's done is is uh, it's giving me the opportunity to, to, to play with a lot of really great jazz musicians um, people like uh, Christian McBride uh, was one of the greatest bassists. Uh, Cecile McLaurin-Salvant was one of the greatest singers. No, no, I,
0: li- I listened to her. She was astonishing.
1: Uh, she's one of the best. You know, she's, she has three Grammys to her name. I mean, she's one of the greatest artists in the world. Um,
0: well, you know, talk a bit about the process, because you were physically in different places, and yet you were in sync, and the sound quality was great. That's a technique that you've either developed or you've been able to capitalize on.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the thing that I had... Coming into this pandemic is that I was I'm, I'm I've always been a computer nerd uh, and I mentioned earlier my undergrads in physics and and so you know I'm a I'm a kind of a technically oriented guy and so and in addition to that my last record was Natural Machines where I've written computer algorithms that improvise with me and uh, there's also a, vi- a whole video component to that and so I had gotten experience with using video uh, and so when the pandemic hit I was actually kind of uniquely positioned to to, to make the best, to make the most of, of live streaming. And that included using this very obscure technology called JackTrip that was developed um, at uh, Stanford that allows people to, um, to communicate over, over the internet with the absolute minimum possible latency. And so when we say latency, that, that's the, the amount of time delay between when I play a note, for example, and my interlocutor hears it and can respond. And kind of like
0: the, the national anthem at a, at a baseball game.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, if you're far away from somebody, there, there's there's latency there because it takes time to just get from there to the to the other person. And uh, what what I found with with Jack Trip over the months, because it's taken, I mean, I, I dived into it right away, and, and NPR actually did a really nice segment about that earlier in the pandemic. In the pandemic, but what I found is um, I've gotten better and better at it. And I also worked with, uh, with a developer who's an expert in it, who added some features that I requested. Um, what I found is that you can actually absolutely legitimately make music, uh, including very tight rhythmic music, over the Internet, as long as the person you're playing with isn't too far. You know, I mean, they, they got to be closer than than 150 miles.
0: Well, and you can also make money, which we need. We need.
1: That's essential. You know, I'm very proud of the fact that I've been able to sell tickets to these concerts and and people keep coming back uh, and seem to really be enjoying them. You know, I, I, I work hard to to, to, to provide a, a genuinely live experience for people. You know, we take requests, we take questions in the comments. Um, it's just it's not a one way kind of thing. It's really a moment of it's a shared moment. Well, you know,
0: maybe in the in the spirit of your mom, you're very generous because the, uh, the talented people that you mentioned you're working with don't don't have this technology, and probably without your support, they they wouldn't be uh, gaining a little bit of money and keeping their name in front of the public. Uh, and I've I've watched you at the piano. You're very uh, you're not Oscar Levant. You're not a wise guy, but you you certainly uh, look very very comfortable there. And I kind of feel like I'm in a classroom when you're as we were doing before, as you're tinkling away what are you playing on tonight by the way
1: i'm playing on a yamaha Disklavier c3 and this is a an instrument that doesn't belong to me it's actually yamaha has has a very generously uh lend it to me and it's a remarkable instrument because it's a it's a c3 piano which is a you know a very nice acoustic piano but this one's also a Disklavier, which means it's a player piano so uh i can send it commands with my computer and it'll actually play uh, the music that I ask it to play.
0: In, in your style?
1: Well, um, I've written all these computer algorithms that interact with what I'm playing in very specific ways. So it's, it's not so much a question of style, it's a question of, mm-hmm. um, of ideas, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think of how Bach composes, for example, in the Goldberg Variations, he might, in, you know, in the in the sixth variation, he does a canon at the second. So that means whenever he plays something, you know, if he goes uh, like that, then the voice the, the the second voice has to respond like that because it's a step away.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I keep referring to your mom that we we lost two years ago, great tragedy, uh, but her God, that that smile, that radiant smile when we walk into the atelier, I, I I still see it and. I hear her name, I hear your name, I think of her, and it fills me up. But let's not give short shift to your father, David, uh, who is a, a molecular biologist, and uh, apparently they were those two components were fighting in the womb, and they <laughs> split up your talent.
1: Yeah, it definitely didn't fall far from the tree, that's for sure.
0: To, uh, what, what's coming up uh, on your—give uh, me some dates on, on the live streaming programs. This will probably air on uh, February 5th.
1: Great so if you're um, to give me
0: something immediately and, and and thereafter, and I'll certainly when i when I, I'll mention the uh, website again before we leave and encourage people at the website to uh to check this out again
1: well thanks so much terence um, thank you the The next ticketed live stream is actually February seventh so two days after after <clears throat> your audience will be hearing this, and that's with uh, one of the great great jazz pianists in the world uh Fred Hirsch.
0: Ah. Wonderful piano player.
1: Yeah, Fred, Fred is incredible and he's a long time friend of mine and, and was my teacher for many years um, and uh, and has been a mentor for, for many years.
0: I saw him here at the Sunset Sunset, uh, Sunset Sunset a couple of years ago, which I know mm-hmm. you've played.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, many times, yeah. But, but yeah, Fred has also played, I think the last time he played in Paris was at the Philharmonie. Um, anyway, he's one of the greatest and we're gonna be playing two pianos. Um, he's gonna be out in Pennsylvania at uh, at his house there and I'll be here in Brooklyn and we've already tested it out and the latency is is really great between us we can really play together with no problems Uh, and we can
0: find that right now at uh, DanTepfer.com
1: yeah right now uh, you can get tickets at DanTepfer.com slash Tix which is T-I-X
0: T-E-P-F-E-R Tepfer
1: that's right D-A-N-T-E-P-F-E-R that's my name DanTepfer.com slash t-i-x and tickets are five dollars uh plus a donation if you wish
0: okay what i'd like to do i'd like this first this has been fabulous but it's great to catch up i know you've been in and out of paris on occasion and you've been insanely busy and fortunate a lot of time to spend with your dad who i know has been very happy to be able uh, to spend some time with you uh why don't we go out with really, a couple thoughts i'd like to hear a little bit of uh, one of your jazz improvisations, something that you've written and perhaps we can uh, salute your mom and uh, play, uh, play a little uh, touch of, uh, from Guys and Dolls. that How many times did she play Sister Sarah? Thousands?
1: Oh, I, I don't know how many times, but, but she, she performed uh, Guys and Dolls many, many times as part of the USO. She, she did a, a USO tour um, through Europe. Actually, that's how she discovered mm-hmm. Europe. And that's a big reason why she ended up there with my dad later.
0: So give me a little bit of uh, your improvisational uh, material and perhaps you'll play uh, I've never been in, in love before from Guys and Dolls and then we can we can wrap it up and uh, be thinking of Mom. Thank you, Dan.
1: Um yeah, let's see. Um I actually have been composing a lot during the pandemic. Um Is there an album
0: coming or if do we still use that word?
1: Well, there certainly will be at some point. Um and I think, let's see, let me think of a song to play for you. Uh, I actually wrote three for my live stream yesterday. I've been trying to really use these live streams as uh, as impetus mm-hmm. for, uh, for creation. For cre- cre- creativity, sure. Yeah. Well, here's one I wrote uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, this is called Late Night Geometry. And actually, that's a title that uh, one of my listeners on my live streams came up with. This is something I've been enjoying doing. I, I, uh, I compose something and then I play it for them and they come up with all kinds of title suggestions.
0: Are you looking for royalties? <laughs> Hope not. Beautiful, as they used to say in Brooklyn, beautiful. Thanks, Terrence.
1: <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. I've really been enjoying uh, creating a lot of new material during the pandemic.
0: Well, that's, that's a discussion in, in detail at a later date. The, the art of uh, going from your brain to your fingers or someone's brain to their mouth, it, uh, it just always astonishes me. It's far beyond any, any of my capabilities. Hmm. Um,
1: I know you're so, a you're a serious singer, right?
0: Well, I'm I'm serious about it. You want to take a chance on me here? As they, <laughs> can we uh, play a little bit with that with uh, guys and dolls on the way out? Well,
1: I don't guys think it's guys. gonna work because you're in Paris. We're gonna have we're gonna have like half second latency here. Ah,
0: okay. We'll, we'll do this live when you're here.
1: Yeah, it'll have to be another time, unfortunately. Sure. Yeah. It, no
0: problem. No, no problem. I appreciate the compliment. So let's uh, let's uh, play it, play it for Becky. And I can see a brother Sky, who I see myself as, uh, singing that beautiful love song to her. And I'll uh, let you go out on that. It's uh, it's, been a, it's been a great pleasure, Dan, to, uh, to catch up. I've uh, watched your career uh, fairly close up. And I'm um, delighted. I feel a bit like a, a felling uncle here, hmm. as uh, we would say. And uh, continued success and good luck. And uh, February the 7th, two great piano players. I mean... Two Jews on the piano, Freddie Hirsch and Dan Tepfer. Uh, Not to be missed, February 7th, and Dan Tepfer, T-E-P-F-E-R.com for tickets. They're $5, and you don't want to miss that. Uh, Book it, uh, bring in the champagne and pizza, and have a great time. And on the way, Danny's going to play us out with uh, from uh, Guys and Dolls, I've Never Been In Love Before. Thank yeah, you,
1: you know, I think I'm gonna play something else. Actually, I think I'll play one okay. of one of my mom's favorite songs, and something I played with her a lot. Um, okay. The nearness of you.
0: Ah, uh, it's also in my wheelhouse, but another day.
1: Yeah, <laughs> when we're, when we're way, closer by together.
0: Way, by the way, it was Bobby Haggard with the big noise from Winnetka, because I know I know my friend Stephen Parties is gonna be on the phone to me immediately, screaming at me. know you're right. Bobby Brookmeyer played the horn. Uh, the big noise from Winnetka. Uh, with uh, Bobby Haggard and now the nearness of you dedicated to to the wonderful uh, Becky Tepfer. Dan, thank you.
1: Thank you, Terrence.
0: Thank you for joining us, and please share your comments and suggestions at terrence at paris-expat.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E at paris-expat.com. And visit paris-expat.com to sign up for my five weekly newsletters about the City of Light. Until next time, à bientôt à Paris.